Michael Floor is the luckiest guy you're ever going to meet. He is a guy who checked into a hospital with COVID-19, spent five weeks in a coma, and recovered. Those first five weeks, he doesn't remember. Just somebody shoving a Q-tip up his nose for a COVID test, then he wakes up. My doctor introduced himself and basically said, you know, I saved your life. And I told my ICU staff not to f*** it up. <laughs> the doctor said every major organ in his body had failed, that Michael basically had no right to be alive. I didn't believe her. Uh, I didn't feel like my life was ever in danger. I mean, he felt weak, but he wondered for a minute if he was being pranked. He says hearing the raw emotion in his wife's voice really brought him around. At one point, they had phoned her to say goodbye to him. No visitors allowed in the COVID ICU. The next few weeks before he left the hospital were no picnic. His kidneys had failed, and he was on dialysis, which sounded like a very unpleasant life sentence. He wanted to travel, do all kinds of things. He thought for a minute about ending his life. He says the nurses helped him gain perspective. Respecting everything that my wife and my kids, what they had gone through. Not to mention the many thousands of people who had already died from COVID. To end it all would have been chicken. Yeah. When when did you get off dialysis? About a month ago. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. So my doctor and I cried. He said, you know, okay, a lot of people. It doesn't happen to a lot of people. And so, yeah, he's, I'm so blessed and so lucky. It's a little miracle. Yeah. I'm so, so thankful. You're like a one in a million. Yeah. One in a million. Point five bills. So. <laughs> well, that's the turn, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might have been a little hard to hear. So here's the gag, the turn. He's saying one in a million? Yeah, 1.5 million in medical bills. Because, of course. A few weeks after he left the hospital, he started getting bills. Well, statements, charges, starting with one for his hospital stay. $1,122,501.04. I was like, oh my God, you know. It was daunting to see something like that and, you know, with your name on it. I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> it's 181 pages long, basically three pages for every day he was in the hospital. Five weeks in an ICU bed at $9,700 per day. Then $5,400 a day for a non-ICU bed for the next few weeks. Dialysis, $4,700 per. Ventilator, $2,800 per day. Multiple charges a day for HC meter dose inhaler and HC nebulizer small volume, $982 per. It adds up. And it was just the hospitalization. I have separate ones for the doctors. And from the nursing home where he did rehab and a lot of in-home physical therapy. Since he came home, a bunch of outpatient dialysis, a surgery or two, that gets you to the $1.5 million. Actually, that was an estimate for him. Later, he looked it up. A little less than a million three. But... It was that first million-dollar bill that got him written up in the Seattle Times, and that's how I ended up learning his story. And so far, his luck is holding. His insurance seems to be covering everything. And his policy includes a cap on what he has to pay in a given year. So far, he says it looks like he'll be paying about 5000 bucks, which he can handle and which seems to him like a bargain. He can't believe how lucky he is. He lived. He's off dialysis. He's taking hikes. His bills are manageable. And of course, this is the thing. To survive a big medical ordeal and to survive it financially, that's like hitting the jackpot twice. This is An Arm and a Leg, a podcast about the cost of healthcare. I'm Dan Weissman. 
You get sick in America, and you know, we're in a pandemic, so that's a thing that happens. And it's like you've entered a casino, and you are gambling with your financial life. Our big project on this show is learning practical lessons about how we can protect ourselves from the big, powerful players we're up against, the sharks, the high rollers. And we are going to wrap this episode up with some super practical lessons, stuff that's going to be important for anyone who might be looking at a big bill for COVID-19 treatment, which I wish was something that fewer people had to worry about. But the way things are going, holy crap, this is potentially huge for any of us or people that we know. Along the way, we're going to learn a bunch of super important context, how the other side, those sharks, the high rollers, how they think and operate, and all of it. The context and the practical stuff is thanks to one super dogged reporter who got one of those sharks to be pretty honest on tape. My name is Celia Yopis Jepsen, and I'm a public radio reporter for the Kansas News Service. Around New Year's, Celia did a story about somebody who got stuck with a $900 ambulance bill. The ambulance company didn't take their insurance. And the next day, Celia got an email from Diane Lettner. Her email says, Ms. Yopis Jepsen, I came across your article about surprise medical bills. And Diane is basically like, uh, 900 bucks? I can top that. And, uh, can you help? Diane's husband, Al, had wiped out on a motorcycle over the summer, broke his neck. A helicopter took him to the nearest hospital, what you call an air ambulance. And then the bill came from a company called Air Methods. For $48,934.27, our insurance company, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas, has said they'll pay $7,068.92. That's it. The Air Methods folks tell us we must pay the remaining $41,865.35. This $42,000 hanging over our heads is likely to put us under financially. We're considering hiring a lawyer, but we could end up spending thousands and still have to pay the air ambulance company. I don't know what the answer is. I think we Kansans deserve better. Sincerely, Diane Lettner. Celia was like, I am calling this lady for sure. And she did. And Celia did a heck of a story about it. And when she pitched it to NPR as a national story, they were like, nah. And I think they just see like, oh, it's another air ambulance story. People know by now that air ambulances are expensive. Because to people in the news business, the outline of Al Letner's story, the issues in it are old news, even though the story and those issues are freaking shocking and outrageous. So for those of us who don't eat this stuff for breakfast, here is the deal with those issues to start with. This $49,000 bill is what nerds like me and Celia call a surprise out-of-network bill. You've had to explain surprise bills 10 million times. Uh, maybe 2 million. Real quick, if you have health insurance, the insurance company tells you who takes that insurance, who is in-network. You see somebody in-network, you pay something, a deductible, a copay, whatever, can be a lot, and your insurance pays the rest, and that's the end. You see somebody who's out-of-network, then your insurance pays what they pay, and they say, look, the rest is up to you. Which is one thing if you choose to see somebody who doesn't take your insurance. But guess what happens? A lot. You go to a hospital that's in network, but surprise, somebody involved in your treatment was out of network. You get a big bill, a surprise bill. And there's a whole world of providers who seem to make a business model out of being out of network because then they can charge whatever they want and chase you for whatever your insurance doesn't pay. A lot of times, these are providers where you don't actually choose them, like the doc in an emergency room or maybe the anesthesiologist who works on your surgery. And air ambulance companies are a big area for this kind of thing. And some people have noticed. 
NPR has done stories. For instance... I'm Audie Cornish. And I'm Mary Louise Kelly with the latest installment in our Medical Bill of the Month series. A dozen listeners sent in bills for their air ambulance rides. And not just NPR. The New York Times, Network News, the Federal Government Accountability Office did a whole report for Congress on air ambulances three years ago. And among other things, they noticed that Air Methods, the company that was billing Al Letner for 49 grand, over a 10-year period, Air Methods had almost quadrupled its average charge. From $13,000 to $49,800. Celia's story got into all of that and into another issue which we have touched on in this show and which is super freaking crazy and very much worth talking about. Are bills like this one from Air Methods even legally enforceable? Like, can they freaking do that? Just bill you whatever they want? One thing providers do, Air Methods did this with Al, is to hand you a piece of paper to sign that says a bunch of things, including, number one, yes, you can give me medical treatment. Okay. Number two, yes, I'll give you my insurance information and you can bill them. Fine. Number three, if my insurance doesn't pay your full charges, I'll pay you whatever they don't. What? Like, say my insurance offers you seven grand and you decide you want 49 80? Any number you choose? I'm promising to pay the difference? Is that what that means? There are legal scholars who say that's not enforceable. Like, one, this is pretty much a your money or your life situation. And two, contracts can't be quite that open-ended. And in Al's case, there's another bit. He did sign a piece of paper like this when he was basically unconscious, like his neck was broken. Medical notes that Celia got show that he was disoriented and in a lot of pain and was being pumped full of fentanyl and was apparently already in the helicopter, in the sky, when he was given the paper to sign. Or maybe they'd already landed. Here's Celia reading from the document with its timestamps. 5.17 p.m., crew gives him another dose of fentanyl for pain. 5.21 p.m., helicopter lands at the hospital. 5.25 p.m. is the timestamp on all appropriate paperwork signed. Huh. So you can see there could be some legal questions. We've talked on this show about how if you're talking about a few hundred bucks, maybe a few thousand, you could take on a legal fight in small claims court and even win. But with 49 grand in play, you need a lawyer and you got to pay that person and who knows how it's going to come out. So all that is pretty rich material. But if that's all that Celia Yopis Jepsen had, I probably wouldn't have called her up. No, her story had this whole other layer where she got a guy from Air Methods to talk about the game his company was really playing with the Letners. And that's right after this. This episode of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service covering healthcare in America. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with the big healthcare outfit Kaiser Permanente. We'll have a little more information about Kaiser Health News at the end of this episode. So here's what Celia Yopis Jepsen got. And she got it just by doing what a good reporter is supposed to do. You've got a story that makes somebody or some company sound like a villain? You call them up. It's only fair. They deserve a chance to tell what the story looks like from their side. And who knows? They may have a good case to make. So here's the Letner's story where Air Methods definitely sounds kind of like a bad guy. Celia calls and gets to talk with Chris Myers. He's vice president of reimbursement, the guy in charge of getting them paid. And right off, he says, ah, new way where we ever going to actually try to get 42,000 bucks out of Al Letner. That's 
just not the kind of thing we would do. The idea of trying to collect tens of thousands of dollars from individuals is really stupid because they don't have the money to pay it. And Celia is like, huh, well, that's funny because they've got these bills saying they owe you tens of thousands of dollars. Actually, way before that, there was this whole other packet you sent them, including a place for them to sign, saying they'd be responsible for whatever part of your bill their insurance didn't cover. Here is Diane Lettner reading part of that to Celia. Get down to the last page, and it says... This is your financial responsibility. I also agree to allow provider to get a credit report to help collect unpaid balances. And, you know, funny thing about that packet, with all the fine print, it didn't say what they'd be on the hook for. Celia asked Chris Myers about that little omission, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, uh, we don't want to stress them out with that kind of thing right at the start. We don't want patients to be alarmed about the total amount until we have been able to work with their insurance company and understand what may be left for us to have to work on. I mean, I guess he's really looking out for their emotional well-being there. Really nice. And then he says, look, we call patients all the time. We definitely tried calling the Lettners to explain how for real we're not going to come after them for these giant amounts. We just need them to go to bat for us with their insurance. By the way, Celia asked the Lettners, did Air Method say this to you on the phone, how they don't really expect you to pay these wild sums? Diane was pretty clear. No, they did not say that. And Diane told Celia, if they had said something like that, we would have been like, great, put it in writing. Because Celia says the Lettners were pretty freaked out. I mean, by the time the Lettners got in touch with her, they have a bill in writing. That says like, hey, here's the sum. It's nearly $50,000. Would you like to pay by a check or MasterCard or a visa? Or... <laughs> so the Lettners have that in writing, and they have reason to think it's serious. They knew a professor at their local university who had been sued over an air ambulance bill. And there's this other thing they noticed. Last fall, the nonprofit newsroom ProPublica did a huge piece about people being arrested over unpaid medical bills. One person owed like 28 bucks. And all of that was happening in Coffeeville, Kansas. Coffeeville is really close by. So that made a lot of news down in their neck of the woods. They're quaking in their shoes, you know? Maybe they wouldn't go to jail, but getting sued? I mean, there were actually news stories a few years ago about air methods filing lawsuits against patients. So you checked with Chris Myers. You guys do that? Now, historically, air methods may have done that. We certainly do not do it today. Air methods told Celia, look, we don't even send people to collections much anymore. They told me, like, we're only going to send someone to collections if they're not responsive at all to their bills. They're not cooperating with us. Like if it looked like a patient had kept an insurance check and didn't send the money over to Air Methods. You know, that type of scenario. They're saying, look, when patients do cooperate with us, then we get that check from Blue Cross or whatever and we let them be. And the Lentners are saying... What the what? No, no one told. Like, where does it say that anywhere in writing? So Celia asked Chris Myers that. Where are the Lettners supposed to get that in writing? And here's where he said the quiet part out loud. He said, We don't put that in writing because if we did that, then no, no out-of-network payer would ever pay us anything. They would just pay us zero. Huh. So let's discuss that for a minute, okay? First, I'm guessing he doesn't really mean they'd actually pay zero. He just means zero beyond whatever the insurance company pays in-network providers. In this case, that's $7,068.27. 
zero on top of that. And I wrote to Air Methods to check. They said, yeah, not literally zero, but we'd be at the mercy of the big bad insurance companies. And gosh, we hate it when patients get stuck in the middle and we'd like to be in network with everybody and we're working on it. Could be. But that doesn't explain why in the meantime, they're putting in writing that Al Letner owes them more than 40,000 bucks, but not saying in writing, JK, what I think Chris Myers is really saying is this. If we put it in writing that we wouldn't come after Al Letner for 42 grand, then we couldn't get Al Letner to do everything he could think of to get his insurance company to pay us more. I mean, here's Al Letner talking to Celia. And the stress on you when you are being phoned and when you're receiving bills and you're not sleeping and you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about this. He sounds pretty motivated to get this resolved. But Chris Myers is saying, we can't put this 70-year-old guy's mind at ease. That would be giving the game away. And this is where we get back to Michael Floor, the luckiest man alive, the guy who spent five weeks in a coma on a ventilator with COVID-19 and lost kidney function and who got his kidney function back and went on a camping trip recently and whose medical bills are not keeping him up at night. The guy who hit the jackpot twice. That idea, the idea that not ending up with a giant bill that keeps you up at night amounts to hitting the jackpot, this connects to a metaphor I mentioned earlier, and I've been thinking about it for a long time. If we get sick, we need medical attention. It's like we're entering a casino, and this is an especially lousy casino because nobody ever comes here and wins. It's just a question of how much we're going to lose. Is it going to be an amount we can manage or a lot more? And in a regular casino, of course, the odds always favor the house, but you do have choices. Of course, one is you could choose whether to go to the casino or not, but another is a regular casino where you can go to a casino and just do whatever. Play this slot machine, put a bunch of chips on roulette, play some card game you're maybe a little fuzzy on it. This Three of a kind, be two pair, or what? Or you could be the kind of person who studies up, learns the rules and the odds of a game like blackjack or poker, learn to count cards. I mean, there's even people who do win money in regular casinos this way. But in this casino, it's not like that. In this casino, you walk in, you get taken directly to the table where the World Series of Poker is being played. And actually, they're playing a really complicated variant on Texas Hold'em with a lot of weird rules, which change all the time. And... The other players at this table, the high rollers, the pharma companies, the hospital chains, the air ambulance companies, they know all the rules. I mean, they got people lobbying the committees who make the rules or they're on those committees. Like Congress created a special committee to advise them on how to regulate the price of air ambulances better. Guess who got appointed to that committee last year? Chris Myers from Air Methods. So these high rollers, they know all the rules. They are good buddies with the dealer. They've each got a whole team coaching them on every round of betting. And they are playing against each other. Your pile of chips is just one thing they're fighting over. And they are more than happy to take whatever chips you've got. And I think what Chris Myers from Air Methods is saying when he's like, we'd never put in writing we're not actually coming after Al Letner's house. What he's saying is, we're not putting it in writing because that would be showing our cards. And if he shows his cards to Al Letner in writing, then he's showing them to the insurance company too. And that's what we're up against here. That's why I'm making this show. We need to learn everything we can about this casino, everything we can about the rules, about these other players, and about every little trick we can find that's going to give us some little bit of leverage, some understanding of what we're up against. 
Okay, look, just as an aside, I realize at this moment I've given myself a couple of metaphors to kind of awkwardly knit together. Because one thing I've said a lot on this show recently is our job here is to engage in financial self-defense. We profiled a medical bill ninja last year. Now our project is to build a dojo. So, you know, now take your pick. Dojo, casino, or just imagine we're one of those James Bond movies that takes place in a casino. Big fight scene. We'll work out the details later. So, now that we're in the mood to kick a little ass, let's take note of the lessons Celia Yopis Jepsen and the Lettners are here to teach us. Number one, read the fine print. And don't sign anything you don't have to. Two, and this is related, don't take anything these jokers tell you at face value. Like that bill Al and Diane got saying they owed 49000 and change and would they like to pay by check or credit card? They were like, uh-uh. Three, you may have rights. Expect it to be a significant project to get them. Diane and Al hired a lawyer, and in an email, Diane says the lawyer is handling things now, but she says the case isn't closed, and it's just over a year since Al took that helicopter ride, and of course they are paying the lawyer. Plus, Celia tells me, just finding the lawyer was a whole project for Al and Diane. They spent weeks just trying to, you know, ask people for referrals, call the Kansas Bar Association, try to find the right type of lawyer and the right type of lawyer who had time for them. Ugh. This is not a project that really everybody can take on. We're going to need to learn a lot more to start solving for that. Meanwhile, here is a big tip that Celia found, and it is especially relevant if you or somebody you know has a bill for anything related to COVID-19. This is actually huge. Remember how in March, Congress passed some big economic stimulus laws to help during the shutdown? One was the CARES Act, which included $175 billion for hospitals and healthcare providers. And there were actually strings attached. Here's the important one for us. Any provider that took some of that CARES Act money they had to promise not to hit anyone with a surprise bill for COVID-related services. And that came up in Celia's next story. A guy named Anil Garmalker heard her story about the Lettners and got in touch. He had gotten so sick with COVID that the rural hospital treating him had Air Methods fly him to a bigger hospital. And later, Air Methods sent a bill for 80000 bucks. Celia figured out that Air Methods had gotten some of that CARES Act money. Once Anil's insurance paid Air Methods, they couldn't come after him for more. Of course, Air Methods didn't tell Anil that. Celia did. And when she did, Anil and his family were shocked. You know, it was kind of one of those double-take moments where they were like, <laughs> wait, what? No one, no one. In fact, I, I told them twice before it sank in. And the second time I told them, it kind of registered and they were like, what? Because they say that no, no one made that clear to them. You could say Air Methods kept it kind of quiet in general. Celia wondered, did Air Methods say stuff like that on their website, that they weren't coming after COVID-19 patients with surprise bills? I did ask them, could you tell me where this is so I could like link in my story, you know, <laughs> where are you committing publicly? Right. Air Methods pointed us to a sentence at the bottom of a blog post on their website. And they pointed me to the second to last paragraph. And this is what it says. We are also taking every measure to protect the financial well-being of patients affected by COVID-19. Blah, blah, blah. It is hard to follow. And it does not say in plain English or otherwise. Once your insurance pays us what they're going to pay us, we're done here. I don't really see exactly how a patient is supposed to figure it out. Yeah. 
but now we've told you. So if somebody's billing you for COVID-19 treatment and they're out of network and they're coming after you for a whole lot of money, if they took that CARES Act money, they can't. And lucky for us, Celia found a searchable government database that has the whole list of entities that took that money. We'll have a link to that on our website and wherever you're listening to this. Look, I'm not going to pretend that any of this is easy or that it's anything but an uphill battle, and it should not be this hard. I'm going to keep finding more people who can teach us tricks. We call them self-defense strategies to make it just a little less hopeless. And from here on out, I'll be bringing this show to you every two weeks instead of coming out with a season a couple times a year. If nothing else, the pandemic means we are always in season now. We're able to do this because you are supporting this show on Patreon. A bunch of you made pledges since our last episode in May. I'll be thanking you by name at the end of this episode, and I got a bunch of thank you cards to write. Thanks to you, the dojo is open year-round, starting now. Our teacher for next time, Steve Bonasso. I met Steve because he was telling a guy who sent him a weird medical bill to get stuffed. And it worked. And it turns out this is not Steve's first time fighting a weird bill. He does it all the time for his job. He's an HR director. I have found horrible stories of people being mistreated and lied to. And I really hate to see that happen. And he does something about it. He tells people where he works. If something in your medical bill or your insurance statement seems weird, bring it to me. And people do. And if he sees anything fishy, he goes to battle. I am a bulldog on this stuff. I do it every month. Next time on An Arm and a Leg, learn how to fight like a bulldog. It's going to be pretty fun. That's in two weeks. Till then, take care of yourself. This episode was produced by me, Dan Weissman, and edited by Marion Wang. Welcome aboard, Marion. Daisy Rosario is our consulting managing producer. Adam Raimunda is our audio wizard. Our music is by Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service about healthcare in America. That's an editorially independent program of the Kaiser Family Foundation. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente, the big healthcare provider. They share an ancestor. This guy, Henry J. Kaiser, he had his hands in a lot of different stuff. Concrete, aluminum, shipbuilding. When he died more than 50 years ago, he left half his money to the foundation that later created Kaiser Health News. You can learn more about him and Kaiser Health News at armandalegshow.com slash Kaiser. Diane Weber is national editor for broadcast, and Tanya English is senior editor for broadcast innovation at Kaiser Health News. They are editorial liaisons to this show. Finally, thank you to some of our new backers on Patreon. Pledge two bucks a month or more, you get a shout out right here. Thanks this week to folks who joined us for the first time and some who increased their pledge. Thank you to Diane, Rachel Kitch, Schlitzy, Kalo, Amy Garan, Lori Force, Lee Watson, Jean Follett, Nettie Hines, Regina Rodriguez Martin, Gary Kutak, Amy Zacadnio, Katrina Weirs, Abby Bott, Lindsay Cornwell, GK Man, Ernest Cantwell, Stephanie Toppin, Melanie Farnon, Elizabeth and Pat, Aaron Mayo, Jim Van Nice, Peggy Whitmore, Mo D, Michael, Kara Fedek, Jennifer Lewis, Daisy Arashiba, and Josephine Elder. Thank you so much. <laughs>